I guess after a game like this, there's uh, only a handful of things you really want to talk about. And of course, it starts with that big injury to Kevin Gossman. And the I guess the ripple effects that were felt today down at Rogers Center, but also the, the larger rings that I suppose will be felt farther out for the rotation, the bullpen certainly as well. Uh, Casey Lawrence pitching again. Look, he gives up a whole, a whole boatload of runs, but as Arden and Ben alluded to on the broadcast... He saved the bullpen today, right? So we'll have the Casey Lawrence conversation, the Kevin Gosman conversation as well. I welcome you to Jay's Talk, of course. Joe Alley with you as the Rays take game one of the doubleheader today. 6-2, the final score. The series now 2-1 to in favor of the Jays after the first game today. But like I said, the topic du jour is Gosman and the injury. So why don't you give me a call? 416-870-0590. one 590 Star 590 on your cell. You can text me as well at 590 590 Name and location. You can air your concerns about Kevin Gossman. Maybe if you want. If, I, I know a lot of people have uh, trade targets, specific trade targets. They want the Blue Jays to go out there and take a look at. There was a trade today in game. Not the uh, Maybe not the Pirates reliever everyone thought <laughs> would be coming to the Blue Jays. But definitely if you want to uh, air your concerns or talk anything Blue Jays, whether it was from yesterday or today, again, you can give me a call at the numbers provided. 590-590 is the text line. And uh, leave your name and location so I can give you a shout out. All right, so let's talk about Gossman. He is, uh, it's, it's tough, right? I mean, he, he only went the two innings. Gabriel Moreno actually made a fantastic play to end the inning with no outs, but Gossman was crumbled in a heap on the mound. It's, it's kind of hard not to think of what happened to Doc back in, I think it was 2005. I want to say that year, Halliday was probably going to start the All-Star game. He was probably going to win the, a runaway Cy Young contender. And I think it was someone on the Rangers. It was a game against the Rangers. And uh, the, the line drive hit him in the shin and uh, broke his leg. And uh, in, like I said, he was probably going to start the, the All-Star game that year. He was done for the season after that, I believe. Uh, thankfully for today, it's, it's nothing quite so serious, right? I think we were all kind of bracing for the worst for Kevin Gossman. But the Blue Jays, as was said on the broadcast, they uh, made the announcement during the game that... It was a right ankle contusion. The x-rays did come back as negative. And uh, like Arden said, x-rays aren't necessarily the be-all, end-all, right? He's obviously going to go for further imaging. Probably is doing that right now or will happen later tonight or tomorrow. Uh, I mean, the, the Jansen thing with the x-rays, those were negative, And, of course, the later comes back with the fracture on the left hand. But at the same time, I think most people, including myself, breathe a small sigh of relief when that happened because... You, I think, again, you, you expect the worst, especially when you see Gossman. So we're here at Rogers Center, and you look down. He's crumpled in a heap just beyond the mound. And everyone, the whole, the whole it wasn't even just the whole infield. The entire team that was on the diamond came out to check on him. It was kind of a hushed, hushed buzz almost fell over the crowd, if I can say that. And when he was walking off the field, he walked off with a clear limp, right? I mean, that ball was a line drive right to the leg. And not surprised, that's going to hurt no matter where it hits you. But uh, Kevin Gossman going straight to the dugout. At worst, your your second best starter getting hit down there is, is not what you want at any time. But much less two innings into a doubleheader when your bullpen already is super taxed, right? I mean, it's it's bad it's bad for a number of reasons, obviously the doubleheader being what it is. Uh, but the, the Blue Jays just don't have a lot of time off between now and the All-Star break, right? I mean, it's, uh, what, July 2nd today. The next off day is July 11th, which is a Monday. And then the All-Star break begins 
on Monday, July 18th. I guess it begins at the conclusion of the game on Sunday, July 17th. But you know what I mean. The ne- the first full off day isn't until that Monday, July 18th. And look, the rotation was thin enough as it is, right? I mean, beyond Gosman and Alec Manoa, Jose Barrios, we saw him yesterday. He gutted through five innings. The pitch count got pretty high, but uh, probably wasn't. You probably wouldn't still call it the sharpest of outings, despite some some nice run support for Barrios yesterday. And the day before, Kikuchi probably. I don't know if it's best his best start of the season innings wise, but I mean a season high in strikeouts with eight a couple of days ago. Still, I mean those guys in the month of June have been erratic, right? So. You include those last two days in there, but even with Stripling going tomorrow, and he has been a steadying presence for the for the starting rotation. And uh, although the 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 flip side of Stripling being good in the rotation is that he is not in the bullpen, and the bullpen has been much beleaguered as of late. But we're at the point where question marks hover to a degree over, dare I say, three of the five spots of the starting rotation at this point. That would I think necessitate some kind of move, right? I would think that necessitates some kind of move. Because we're at a point now where even if Gossman was completely fine, let's just say for the sake of argument that today nothing happened, right? That Gossman went six innings, he went seven innings, whatever. Whatever Gossman did, we saw him dominate the Red Sox the last time out. There was no real reason to think he wasn't he was going to struggle today because he was pretty uh, pretty good early on. We can talk about that a little later on in the program. But let's just say Gossman was fine. People would still have been clamoring for a move in the starting rotation. So if you're talking about what is the order of need when it comes to the Blue Jays, uh, let's call it a shopping list for, for Ross Atkins at the trade deadline, if before you thought maybe bullpen was at the top or it was bullpen 1A, starting rotation 1B, and maybe a lefty bat somewhere else in the lineup, as, as 2 or 2B or whatever you want to call it, I, I would think right now it has become starting rotation 1, bullpen 2. I would. It's kind of how I view it right now. Bullpen, don't get me wrong, you still want to see the bullpen augmented, but uh, we're definitely at the point now where it's really only Stripling and Manoa. And, and hey, I mean, there's a very real possibility that maybe Gossman doesn't miss any time. Maybe he only misses one start. Maybe he only... I guess right now he would be lined up to start... Either the, I guess it would be the final game against the A's or the very first game against the Mariners. It's, it's coming next week. Again, not a lot of time off for the Blue Jays. They have that West Coast swing. Three against the Oakland Athletics in Oakland starting on Monday and then on Thursday. A four-game set against the Mariners before they come back home on the off day uh, on, on the 11th. But if, if he only misses one start and you get an extra off day in there, and he pitches one more time before the All-Star break, then you know what? You can breathe a little easier. And I'm sure we're going to hear more about that, maybe even before the start of Game 2 later today, probably by tomorrow. I'm sure we'll hear from Charlie Montalio at some point today, even if it's not until after Game 2 of the doubleheader. But like I said, I think the Cavalry needs to be called in, right? Like, it may not be Frankie Montes as the guy who's coming, right? It may not be Luis Castillo. And I think I'm not sure if anyone had heard those reports that the A's and Reds, obviously the two teams that currently employ uh, both Montes and, and Castillo, respectively. The two teams they're not looking back. They're not looking to take back, let's say, lots of dollars in players. So you're not you're not dealing away expensive players and quote unquote bad money. They want prospects. They want prospects. So I'm not sure what kind of prospects they'd be looking for. Would they be looking for? 
Like, would, were, are they only going to say yes if someone like Tiedemann is involved? If that's the case, I think you say no, right? If it's only going to be a rental for someone like Montes or Castillo, even if they do have, like, one year on their deal or something like that. But at the same time, they want prospects. And I think the Blue Jays' farm system, the Bisons being where they are, they are, I think, adequately, if not very well set up to acquire a top starting rotation or a top reliever at some point. But the problem is, of course, that it's July 2nd. The The trade deadline is at the end of the... Well, I guess it's, it's usually at the end of the month. This year it's in, I want to say, August 2nd or 3rd. And, well, the problem is that price asking prices for big-time trade pieces are going to be high at this point, right? I mean, I, I've said before that maybe the, the slightly... The, the trade deadline being pushed back slightly might entice teams to hold on to prospects a little longer. It being only three or four days, uh, a little only three or four days past what it usually is, probably means that it's not going to change altogether too much. But Ross Atkins spoke to the media just a couple of days ago when he talked, I think it was after the Sergio Romo signing. And one of the things he said was that the trade market has not really developed, not, not, in, the sense, not in the sense that it hasn't developed the way he's liked, but it hasn't developed to the point where they're willing to go out there and overpay to make sure they are the first people to get Montes or Castillo. I had heard some rumblings also that one of those guys had been checked in on by the Yankees. And again, I'm sure every contending team that could, in theory, at some point need a starting rotation uh, boost. And I mean, look at the Yankees, right? The Yankees are a team that have not gotten full seasons from either Nestor Cortez Jr. because he just hasn't been asked to do it at this point in his career, and Luis Severino has been injured for a bunch of years now, right? So maybe the maybe Cashman feels like he's got to go out there and, and investigate all these different guys. I'm sure a lot of other teams, the Yankees are always going to be in contention for those kinds of trades. The Dodgers are always going to be in contention for those kinds of trades. The big market teams, that that is what it is, right? But at the same point... I really, I just really hope one of those guys is not going to New York. Look, if if they do go to New York, if they end up pitching for the Mets, they may as well not exist. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not as though we I don't care about the National League, but let's be real, we don't watch a lot of NL baseball here in Toronto. Maybe if you're a fan of an NL team, maybe you do, but if they, if they go to the Mets, hey, good for them. But I just I hope it's not the Yankees. I hope it's not the Red Sox or anything like that. Uh, but, hey, Luis Castillo, Montes, Pablo Lopez, somebody needs to be acquired via trade, right? That has now leapt to the top of the list. Chad Cool, even, right? I mean, the guy plays for the Rockies. He had a pretty good, has had a pretty good season, had a pretty good outing the last time out as well. Plays for the Rockies, like I said. I wouldn't mind seeing him in a, in a Blue Jays uniform. Um, let's go to the text line here. I see a couple. Uh, Perry in Lake El- uh, Sylvan Lake in Alberta. What options do the Jays have to pick up a playoffs-worthy ace. Joe Siddle mentioning that we need a strong starter to be serious contenders. Yeah, like I said, I, I, I know people really focus on Montes and Castillo. I'm a huge fan of getting up one of the pitchers from Miami. I got to say, I, I think Sandy Alcantara is probably uh, too pie in the sky. That guy is probably going to... I don't know if he's going to win the NL Cy Young this year because... There are a lot of really good pitchers in the uh, in the National League. I mean, it could Corbin Burns won the NL Cy Young last year. We just saw him in that series against the Brewers. He could very well win the NL Cy Young a second year in a row. He has been absolutely fantastic this season, and uh, there there are a lot of really good pitchers this year in the uh, in the National League. But pa- the uh, Sandy Alcantara is right there. I I think Sandy Alcantara is probably going to be pitching in Miami for for a long time, at least until the ownership group decides it's time to purge the roster and start over in like five years. I think uh, that, I think until then, Alcantara is probably sticking with the Marlins. Pablo Lopez is someone I've been a huge fan of. I've mentioned his uh, his name on this program before on the various pregame shows as well. He's he's 26 years old. He debuted back. 
back in 2018. Uh, he is, I believe, he is. I think this year, 2022, is is the, the first year of arbitration. So I think we'll probably see if, even if he does get traded, you'll probably see some kind of arbitration. I'm um, not dispute necessarily, but arbitration negotiation go on for Pablo Lopez. And uh, let's see. So far this year, he has a WAR of 2.4, five wins, four losses, an ERA of 2.98. He has started 15 games. He's pitched 87 and two-thirds, 88 strikeouts, and a whip of 1.084. Yeah, Pablo Lopez is the guy I think there could be like a uh, – I mean, again, we're, we're, talk, we're just playing booth GM here, right? But if, there's, if I had to give you my preference, maybe as a 1B to Luis Castillo, I think Lopez is the guy um, I would personally like to see. But I uh, appreciate the text, Perry, in, uh, in Sylvan Lake out west. Um, I know some people as well – have mentioned a lot of the the in-house options, right? Some of the in-house options. Like, Yasser Zulueta is someone I know people want to see, right? And that guy, he's a little older, right? I think he, I want to say he has to be added to the 40-man roster by the end of this season. So there's a good chance we'll see him in Toronto at some point between now and the end of the first week of October. I uh, I know Ricky Tiedemann is a guy as well. I feel like we constantly talk about Ricky Tiedemann. But I would just be surprised... If the Jays rushed their arrival to the bigs, you know, like Zulueta. Here, here are the last two outings for Zulueta and uh, Tiedemann in the minors, right? So in June 30th for the Fisher Cats, Zulueta went one and two-thirds. He had two hits, two earned runs, two walks, one strikeouts, only 46 pitches thrown. So I think that implies that there's still more work to be done for someone like Zulueta. And then Tiedemann... I actually pitched yesterday on Canada Day. He went five innings, allowed three hits, three earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts, 76 pitches. I honestly do think in the not-too-distant future, I don't know if it's going to be 2023. Maybe 23 is the same kind of conversation we were having last year when Alec Manoa was called up. I think there's a very good chance that Tiedemann is going to be a, is a, going to be a special pitcher and someone fun that Blue Jays are going to really enjoy watching. I just again, I would be kind of shocked if he was called up because to the majors because of injuries that are happening to guys like well, certainly Hyunjin Ryu is done for the season, and now the comeback are off the ankle for uh, for Kevin Gossman. Other options outside of Hatch, who obviously goes later, and and Lawrence, who we'll talk about in a sec. Our guys like Anthony Kay, and Ben mentioned during the game, in case you're, you hadn't heard, I know people had texted in about Anthony Kay as well. And again, you can shoot me a text at 590-590. Kay was on the IL. We saw him last year in a couple of games. He was on the IL for a pretty significant amount of time before only coming back to the Bisons relatively recently. So even if we're just talking about having... Having Anthony Kay come up for Kevin Gossman in the next two weeks, I feel like it's probably not going to be Anthony Kay, right? Like, I feel like there is a better chance of seeing an opener at this point than maybe seeing someone like Anthony Kay. I mean, look, they're going to have to be creative. If they're not trading for a guy, they're going to have to be creative with the options they already have, whether it's people on the 40-man roster or call-ups from, from Buffalo or, or what have you, right? Um, on Casey Lawrence, we'll talk about Casey Lawrence and we'll take a quick break. Uh... Casey Lawrence comes in for Gossman, so he threw 99 pitches for the Bisons back on Tuesday. Just three days of rest for for Casey Lawrence. I got to say, I think overall, considering the relative circumstances he found himself in, I think he pitched pretty well in relief, right? I mean, yes, he gave up the two home runs. I guess it was six earned runs in the end, but... I don't know. The one to Paredes, the one to Franco, yeah, those were probably... I think the Franco one hit the foul pole. The Paredes one was an absolute no-doubter. But... 
He came in on the short rest. He was already the 27th man for the doubleheader. We had heard pregame that Charlie Montoyo had given Lawrence some uh, some nice praise because of of the of the situations he has found himself in and being able to go on short notice. So I guess no huge surprise that the first guy they went to was someone like a long man like Lawrence. Uh, but he had a bunch of whiffs, right? Ten first pitch strikes to the batters he faced, uh, and then he gets hit by the comebacker. The the annoying thing with the comebacker, beyond I'm sure it just hurting when you get hit by a ball, whether it bounces to the mound or goes straight to you, is that 99 times out of 100, I feel like that particular ball was a was a double play ball, right? I mean, that was I feel like if that just went straight past Lawrence and didn't hit him, that was a double play ball that ends the inning and the damage he suffers in I guess it was the third or fourth inning probably doesn't get scored, right? I mean, I know the Blue Jays lost by four runs today. And the last, the run that made it a four-run, narrowed the margin to four-one, only coming in the bottom of the ninth inning. So, you know, maybe, maybe ultimately the fate wouldn't have been too different when you have someone like Shane McClanahan on the mound opposing the Blue Jays today. But at the same time, Lawrence was—he was. I think. I think it. The 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 final box score probably does not entirely tell the true story that he came in and essentially saved the bullpen ahead of Game Two of a doubleheader after Gosman leaves in an injury, right? Five and two-thirds, seven hits, six earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Look, I'm, I'm not in any way, shape, or form clamoring for Casey Lawrence in high leverage or Casey Lawrence to be the starter in Gosman's absence. I'm not saying that, but I do think that a lot of cheap hits for the Rays kind of squeaking into, you know, some bloop singles, squeaking past, just past the outstretched gloves, right? Some good plays, I think, made by the defensive, uh, defensive plays made by the infielders. I just, the again, the three-run fifth inning probably should have ended well before he ran into trouble. And like I said, he saved the bullpen, right? I mean, we didn't have to see any top-shelf relievers forced into action in game one. And uh, again, it's is it a moral victory after you lose by four runs? Absolutely it is. Do we want moral victories in seasons like this when the expectations are so high? No, no one wants that. I, I think we can all agree on that. But at the same time, I think just... As an instant reaction to what we saw and heard today, I think Casey Lawrence deserves at least a couple of props. And uh, I got to think that because Max Castillo pitched today after throwing two, he threw two innings of work yesterday, 34 pitches yesterday, then he went 19 pitches today over one and a third, two hits, no runs, and a strikeout. Uh, he pitched pretty well in these last few games. I know low leverage, but it is what it is, right? Uh, he, I got to think, unfortunately, and we'll see what the uh, the corresponding roster move will be, but you got to think he will probably be optioned at some point because Thomas Hatch is in town and he has to be activated prior to first pitch of game two of the doubleheader tonight. But uh, you want to give me a text, 590-590, name and location. We will uh, read your text on the other side of the break. Also, we'll get back to the phone lines here on Jay's Talk. Show Ali on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Jay's Talk. On the Sportsnet Radio Network, Show Ali with you as we're breaking down the 6-2 loss in Game 1 of the split doubleheader at Rogers Center. I think uh, most people have been cleared out, the staff uh, cleaning up the stands as they're getting set for Game number 2. The ground screw out there working on the mound on the batter's box right now. So Game 2 goes, I think, still scheduled for 6.07 p.m. Eastern 
3.07 p.m. Pacific across the Sportsnet radio network. Before we, I do want to chat about that Anthony Bonda trade and maybe also chat a little bit about what we saw from Shane McClanahan and the uh, Toronto Bats today. Let's get to the Bet365 standings update with Bet365. You can watch thousands of live games Build your own bet. You can even make a bet while the game's still being played. 19 plus. Play responsibly. Ontario only. Uh, not a lot of action right now because, of course, there was only, I believe, two games in action. The Arrays, the Orioles Twins game, pardon me, was uh, supposed to start a couple, about an hour and a bit ago. That was uh, delayed due to weather. And the Yankees are wrapping up a demolition of the Cleveland Guardians right now in Cleveland. They're 56 and 21. They're about to be 57 and 21. The Blue Jays with the loss today are 10 games over 500, 44 and 34. The Red Sox 43 and 34. The Rays win. They're 41 and 36. And again, the Orioles probably going to get started if they haven't gotten started already. Uh, 35 and 43. It's pretty crazy. The Orioles are closer. To the third wild card, card spot in the American League, then the Yan- then the Jays are closer to the Yankees. Isn't that a wild statistic? Like if you look at where the uh, in terms of games back that the Blue Jays are of the Yankees, twelve and a half games back of the division leader, the Blue Jays are of the Yankees, and the Baltimore Orioles are six and a half games back of the third the third wild card spot. That's crazy. Like that. I mean, again, the Orioles are not. A terrible team. They're, uh, I think they're a below-average team right now, and probably in large part due to pitching. And uh, maybe you'll see that change in, I don't know, maybe in the next couple of seasons. But as, as it stands right now, I think most people expected the Orioles to be where they are. But at the same time, they're not pushovers, right? I mean, we just saw a four-game set against the Orioles a couple weeks ago, and it was a split for the Blue Jays against the Orioles because they're not, like I said, no pushovers for Baltimore. Uh, but that's the uh, quick check of the Bet365 standings update. Uh, let's look at that trade. Uh, Jay's acquiring Anthony Bonda from the Pirates for cash considerations. So he was DFA'd by Pittsburgh earlier this year. And let's be real, those are the kinds of moves that are available right now, right? I mean, Bonda is a guy that used to play for the Rays, and even they couldn't turn him in the pitching factory they have going on down in, in, uh, in Tampa. Even they couldn't, couldn't turn him into something more, quote-unquote, considerable or real or whatever word you want to use. So he, was, he was, went to the Pirates. You know, on the other hand, and I never know where to fall on this. The other hand, the Pirates also are, I don't want to say a poorly run organization, but they've made their fair share of mistakes over the years. I mean, they're the same club that sent Clay Holmes to the Yankees. And again, Clay Holmes, when he was with the Pirates, wasn't exactly the best reliever in the world. I think he was, like, relatively speaking, mediocre. And, but, I mean, there he goes to uh, he goes to New York, and the pitching coach, I believe his name is Blake out there, he turns uh, sprinkles some pixie, pixie dust of his own on, uh, on, on Clay Holmes and turns him into one of the better bullpen, bullpen arms uh, pardon me, in the entire league. So, I don't know. Who's to say that Vonda will, t- what he'll turn into if Pete Walker gets a chance to work on him? But, uh, again, that was the trade made in-game. Anthony Vonda acquired for cash considerations. But I got to imagine more trades will be coming before that uh, beginning of August trade deadline. Um, as far as the Blue Jays' bats went today, I think we can safely say they got McClanahan, right? I mean, he's the favorite, I think, early on for the American League Cy Young. I don't know if that'll hold up between now and the end of the year, but it certainly looks like, based on what we saw and heard today, that it probably will. I just He was just ridiculous, right? Seven innings, three hits, one earned run, one walk, and ten strikeouts. I mean, maybe Shohei Otani catches up to him. Alec Manoa is probably right in the conversation as well. I would have said Kevin Gossman is in that conversation too. Maybe Garrett Cole and or Nestor Cortez Jr. I thought maybe Logan Gilbert would be in there too, but I think he's kind of fallen off as of late. But either way, Shane McClanahan is ridiculous, right? I mean, 1.74 ERA, 
He had a few nine-pitch innings in a row after the first inning, and he settled down. He got better as the game went on. Like, if you see some of those pitches he throws, a 95-mile-an-hour fastball and an 87-mile-an-hour changeup will come out of his hand at the exact release point. It's truly absurd. Um, and there there were some some ugly ABs by the Jays today as well. Teoscar Hernandez wanding through three strikeouts and ten combined pitches. But, uh, hey, I mean, as soon as McClanahan departed, the Jays got better quality ABs, and that shows you the difference between the top guys like him and someone like Guerra, right? I mean, also, we don't have to relitigate um, calls, right? But that, that call on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the eighth inning is is tough, right? That that Squeezing him on a terrible call that was clearly ball four. Bring me the robot umpires. Bring them to me. All right, that does it for Jays Talk today. Appreciate the calls and texts as always. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Links Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans. Jays lose to the Rays 6-2 in game one of the doubleheader, but stick around. We have one more to go here at Rogers Center tonight. Hatch and Rasmussen in game two of the doubleheader. I'll be back for more Jays Talk later this evening. For Austin, for Tom, I'm Show. We'll talk to you on Jays Talk in a few hours.